and welcome to our weekly ICT4D conference podcast. My name is Sonia Ritzel from CRS and I'm interviewing experts for you to talk about digital development trends, innovations and good practice. Today it's my pleasure to talk to Rhonda Gillesne-Green. Rhonda, would you like to introduce yourself to our podcast audience? Sure. Um, so I'm Dr. Rhonda Gillesne-Green. I am the Global Head of Training and E-Learning at the Internet Society, which is a global nonprofit organization working to ensure that the Internet of Opportunity benefits everyone. I'm also the co-founder and director of Panoply Digital, which is a women-owned consultancy uh, outfit that works to develop and implement sustainable solutions to development challenges, particularly in the areas of ed tech, gender, and monitoring and evaluation. Thank you, and welcome to our podcast. Today, I would like to speak with you about digital inclusion and diversity. The COVID-19 pandemic, especially working and studying from home, has exposed just how broad the global digital divide is. Would you like to share more insights on digital literacy trends and gaps, particularly with a focus on inclusion, equity and diversity? Uh, for digital literacy, yes. What I see happening with digital literacy is kind of what we've been seeing in progress for, for the past few decades. For one, I can say that digital literacy is not just a, a problem in the, the global south, as we see that in the global north, um, the way that digital literacy or the lack thereof has manifested itself is through misinformation and, and people's inability to tell real news from fake news. And so I think that the digital illiteracy in that particular case is perhaps at the more sophisticated end of things. But in the terms of the, the global South, the difference is that I think there are a lot of innovations that are being thought up and, and trying to be applied um, to different areas in the global South, yet there's still no considered work looking at, you know, to, to get back to the basics. So I think that The trend is to constantly innovate and to constantly create new things because that is, you know, as a lot of people <laughs> like to use the term, more sexy, as they would say. But that sexiness gets us away from the thing that we actually need most, um, which is the bare bone basics. So I would say that that trend for me, that we keep running far ahead of where people are. So we are like infants or maybe even fetuses using technology that in many ways is like, you know, already in the third stage of its life. So there's a, a gap between the people and the actual technology with which we're meant to be literate. Thank you. And so how do you see us filling this gap? Who do you think would take on that responsibility? Is that a question of um, lack of financing or lack of collaboration or behavioral change as well of organizations involved in digital literacy or all of the above? Um, I think it's uh, it's all of the above. I think one of the things that we've learned in the past few years is that you can't, you know, ha have these very snappy 
you know, neat solutions. Everything is in some ways going to be messy and chaotic because it's going to involve um, multiple stakeholders and, and multiple components. But I think one of the best ways to start is for governments to, to make it a culture change. And the best way to do that is to make digital literacy in all its forms part of national curricula. There are very few um, countries that seriously address di digital literacy and, and kind of it's kind of just been this hands-off thing where it's assumed that people will just pick up the knowledge along the way. And, and I think that danger, that kind of laissez-faire attitude is exactly what has led to the circumstances that we have now. Thank you. Yeah, that's a very strong point. What do you think can sort of the individual organization do, particularly to address diversity and equity and inclusion in our, particularly now today's increased digital engagement? What type of organization? A humanitarian organization or development organization in particular? Well, I think one of the things that they can do, but it may not be all that effective is, you know, as I said, to focus on getting this type of work done. So the, the work that may not be as glamorous, the work that may not be, you know, as enticing to do because it doesn't involve innovation in the traditional sense. But the problem is you then need funders to fund that. And sadly, this is also not happening. And if funders aren't funding it and governments aren't doing it, there's actually very little a development agency can do because they, you know, or, or humanitarian agency can do because they do what is funded. And so, you know, I think as several colleagues probably talked about outside of me, you know, our, our very development funding model is broken. I think that the priorities are often aligned not with what the real needs and realities are on the ground, but rather what people who think they know best, um, and often, you know, white people, male people, and people who were not poor, because obviously there are, are white male people who are also poor. But if you don't share in common a lot of these things that, you know, typically define someone who might be considered digitally illiterate, you're going to come up with ideas that don't actually serve the people who need it most. And so in that respect, it, it's also helpful to have, you know, within these development organizations, more diverse representation. And when I say that, Again, even when you're talking about people from the, the global south or the majority world, you have a lot of these people, you know, put in the positions, you know, for representation to, to maybe lead projects. But then the problem is typically these people themselves are of the elite. Um, they come from very privileged backgrounds. And so, you know, instead of having a white face, you have a black or brown face, but then that black or brown face is still also so disconnected from people who do not have much in their countries so as to be ineffective. So I think, you know, as I said at the start um, of answering this, there are a lot of things that, that need to be done and it's going to be messy. It's going to be chaotic and it's going to, to be painful for people because it's, it's going to involve seeding power, sharing power, but then also acknowledging that in doing that, you're, you know, you, your life, your livelihood is not in danger. And I think sometimes 
you know, in the development community, what I've observed is that people do not try to work themselves out of a job, which is what we all should be doing. And I think that seeding power in that respect, like acknowledging that you can do a job so well done that people don't need you to do do that anymore. That is something the development community might have a fear of, but it's like you can always retrain, you know? So I think there's so many human factors, cultural, sociocultural, uh, economic factors that, that go into this in terms of what development agencies can do, but who will have the courage to do that? I'm, I'm still waiting to see. One positive sign in this area was I saw that the British Red Cross hired an anti-racism coordinator that or, or they're hiring for an anti-racism coordinator. And they're going to be looking at things from the lens of diversity, equity and inclusion in all of their projects. And I think that that's going to really shake things up and, and maybe get us doing things in a more truly innovative way. And I don't mean just by, you know, through technological, but, you know, coming up with new approaches that actually make an impact in this area. Yeah, I, I think that's a strong point. So um, more of a structural and organizational and behavioral change rather than just a question about capacity building and tech innovations. That's right. So would you say that particularly this year, there is more of a focus on diversity, equity and inclusion? And what's your future outlook? Do you think that development and humanitarian agencies are beginning to move the dial on these issues? I think there's definitely more of a focus, um, but I don't think that focus is coming from the development agencies themselves. I personally, as a, a Black and Native American woman, I have been inspired by seeing the support from Black and Brown people throughout the majority world in the great racial reckoning that has taken place in the United States this summer. But then you even saw you know, this outpouring of support as well, like the Hong Kongers in their own struggle for democracy have their methods for doing that have, have filtered to the United States. And we then also see those things kind of exchanged in support of the NSARS movement um, with a great participation from Black Americans and African Americans to support the, the movements in Nigeria. So I do see that this change is happening, but it's not happening from the development community is happening from the people. And so, again, I think in, in some respects, it's the need to exercise courage, to the need to be fearless of, of what it means to seed or, or share power in these different areas. And I think that I would like to see it change more. Um, but with the, for example, with the foreign aid budget just being cut in the UK, I think people are going to be very feast or famine and not focus on these things because it's easier to focus on getting the job at hand done. But the irony there is that, you know, very often so many of the issues and development challenges are linked into the very things that, you know, DEI uh, seek to address. So I think as we continue to ignore the elephant in the room, you know, the elephant's just going to get bigger and bigger and hopefully eventually crowd out, you know, people's desire to be ignorant of what that means for them as a development professional. Thank you. Yeah, that's a very strong call for action. You said about being more courageous, certainly something we need these days. 
and um, really listening to the communities and embracing the communities in our in our own organizations. I think that's very, very important. I'm already at the end of my questions. Would you like to add any other comments? Well, as always, uh, Black Lives Matter. And I think that the intersection of race and international development is race is one of the identity areas in diversity, equity and inclusion that is rarely talked about. And so for me, uh, I'm really hoping that people who are interested in in, in true justice and, and system change um, will start to do the work in this area. I think we have a long way to go. One recommendation I would have is is for people um, who are interested to definitely pick up a book. Uh, and one of the ones that I think is kind of transnational in, in terms of contextualizing this issue is Isabel Wilkerson's cast. Um, I've just started to read it myself. Um, and there's also a podcast by Oprah Winfrey, the famous, you know, US TV personality. And so, yeah, I think reading that book, you know, going through the podcast and whatnot would be really, really helpful to people in development who want to make a change um, and don't know where to start, where it relates to race and ICT for D. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. And I think that was a very important discussion we had. Okay, no problem. Thank you so much. And thank you for inviting me. More information about our upcoming podcasts and webinars can be found on our website, ict4dconference.org. Hope you will join us again next week.